0: but actually focusing on bringing more business with other countries. So with Canada having access, it makes it easier for me to sell in the US and also makes it easier for me to sell in Mexico. And then with other treaties, treaties that Canada has, it makes me it makes it easier for me to, uh, from Canada, is start negotiations with other countries and other markets.
1: Okay, hey, Ingrid, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
0: Doing pretty good yourself?
1: Great. Uh, we had some technical difficulties getting set up here. And uh, but uh, great to have you on. Uh, Ingrid, you know, your bio really stood out to me because uh, one, you know, you're I think you're an international entrepreneur, right? Currently, you're coming out of uh, the accelerator center, your, your, your startup, right? But also, you said, um, you're an avid runner. And I want to I want to jump into this a little bit. Uh, you said in the bio that you're an ultra runner.
0: Yes. What does that mean? <laughs> it's a good mix of things. So ultra runners, basically, we do races that are more than a marathon. So a marathon is 42K. Um, I today, um, I say I'm a baby ultra runner because I do uh, 50Ks and 80Ks. Uh, it seems a lot to most people. But when you compare to other ultra runners, they're doing 200Ks over there. It's just the start of it. So, yeah.
1: Perfect. So um i've heard of ultra running because like uh through podcasts joe rogan talks about these all the time um it sounds the idea kind of sounds kind of insane like you know people already go through these hard tasks of triathlons and marathons right so what brought you to like ultra running
0: the idea is insane. I ever. It's funny that people have a perspective that they say like, "Oh, you run that much; you must be so healthy." And the studies show the formative of, of effect when you run that much, you're even less healthy, right? Because you're like you're, you're surpassed apart what is healthy. Um, I think the thing that brought me to ultra running is perspective and introversion. So like it's a moment that I get, first of all, dedicate myself to a a thing that is not work, that is not studies and anything like that, that is only physical and allows my head to process everything I'm going through. And when you do, I do trail ultra running, uh, you have a lot of ups and downs just like in life, but way more intense. So you usually sleep deprived and you're going up a mountain or like it's 33 degrees out there. It's a very, um, you have to deal with a lot of problems during ultra running, but it's very rewarding in the end. So it just it's a different kind of suffering. It's a good kind of suffering.
1: <laughs> I have this uh, theory that uh, entrepreneurs are these people who are obsessed with suffering and they just finding different <laughs> things to suffer from. Uh, Because, like, uh, really, what you you're, you're truly are is addicted to solving large problems. And why this stuck out really to me is you know, what is a large, what is the intense problem rather than ultra running, right? Defeating this huge task that, that's in front of you. Um, what I love mostly about ultra running is like the, they talk so much about their mind, the mind state, right? The biggest war you fight is up here. Um, and what, what I love about, you know, such an extreme task as that is that it helps you, the idea is to build up your mind. Uh, And once you have that mentality, you can focus that shift towards other activities, right?
0: Yeah. So that's why I want to open. I always say, I always say that um, I do my best thinking thinking and do my great and make my greatest decisions when I'm on my my long runs on Sundays, and that's Mm -hmm. usually when I think problems through and I have a decision by the end of it because of the time that I have to process everything.
1: Yeah, Yeah. 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 No that's awesome and uh, it's a pretty uh, a, a healthy obsession right to uh, you know mm-hmm. to focus your ideas on, onto that um cool so i want i want to start off with that because you know um uh, the, the the idea of solving um hard problems uh, let's jump into your startup uh, what are you currently working on
0: so my startup is safety docs safety docs global Uh, We are mostly a spin-off, not as much of a startup in the sense that, like, we've been in the market for five years back in Brazil. Uh, So uh, we started the company and the endeavor here in Canada for globalization last year in November, uh, participating in one of the accelerator programs, a lot of startups, and then entering the accelerator center after that. And what basically we do, we are a software service company that offer solutions for document management especially for permits and legal documents uh where they can have reports task management uh upload of documents sending documents all over so it's basically a very specific software to help with the expiration date so they don't lose that or get fined by it
1: amazing um and again you started this company in brazil right um and uh, and uh you you brought over to North America, like you migrate, you migrated the company over here.
0: Yes, so we still we're still operating in Brazil, but we're doing a spin off in Canada. That's the first step for our globalization. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love this trend. You know, we're seeing more of these, especially these Latinx uh, come, uh, startups coming to Canada, establishing and having a global presence. Through that, uh, it seems to be, it's a particular challenge because you're operating across two different uh, you know uh, regions, crossing you know crossing, um, those, those bounds. Running a startup was already kind of difficult. Can you talk about you know kind of the nuances of running a startup that's kind of international, jumping into Canada and the environment? How's it different?
0: Of course, uh, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, first, first thing is that uh, I'm a mo- i am have a master's and I'm currently pursuing a master's in intercultural communication. So that helps a lot in that sense and explaining that difference. Uh, But I think there's a big difference between how we work in in Latin America and how we work in North America and how to bridge those gaps in order to be more effective in negotiation. Uh, I'm a huge uh, proponent to watching people and watching people talk and how they speak, which words they use and then implement that in my own communication, right? Um, I think the biggest challenge would be not just talking from my experience, with the people that I know is um, creating those connections in a new country. So like we've been working for five years in Brazil. I have connections. I, there's people that know me, public speaking and all that. When you come to a new country, no one knows who you are. No one knows what you do. And you have to build all this networking all over again. So that's like the biggest challenge regarding that, as well as finding good mentors that I do have in Latin America, but don't necessarily apply to uh, to Canada within that, you have all the intrinsicities of legal accounting and all of that, that you have to manage between two countries. And by being a small company, uh, it's very hard because you don't have like three or five people on your legal team that can like just study that and the side. So you have to choose the right people to help you with both countries or how to like transfer money and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like a culture, I, I would say there's a cultural aspect plus like the just intrinsicities of dealing with all the aspects of the business by being like a very small team.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so did you come here particularly for your master's or was uh, the master's like a tool for for your, your startup, um, you know, the academic uh, portion of it? Like, how did that tie into your uh, decision to come to Canada?
0: Um, so I, and I know this, this is a little bit overused, but I'm a life uh, learner and mm-hmm. I've done my first I, I done a first bachelor's and then I did a, a diploma and now I'm doing my master's and I wanna pursue my doctorate. Uh, it is, and it's not intrinsic with my business in the sense that there's a lot of things that I can apply to my business and I'm gonna do my doctor related to my business, but at the same time, they are two different things, right? So they, when I moved to Canada, I first of all, didn't move with the first intention to globalize through Canada. I moved here for my second bachelor's for my diploma. And then uh, I started my, my master's here and then we saw the opportunity to bring the company from Brazil. I was already studying it and seeing if Canada would be the best one or we should start with other countries in Latin America first or Europe or something like that. Um, and then when I found the opportunity, I jumped at it and then we started doing the process. So it was sort of about me moving and then like managing the company from abroad and then bringing the company with me.
1: Hmm. Um, that's That's really cool, so going back down to uh you know loving to solve hard problems right education is a is a great problem to solve. I once heard like um, the real value of a degree is not the grade or 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 the or the, even the name say behind it it's a, it's a certificate saying that you can accomplish this hard task. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, depending on the degree, depending on the school, depending on all that, it's it's a measure of the of how hard it is, and that's what society respects you for, and that kind of gave me a different perspective to, uh, to this, right? Um, so I, I love looking at, uh, at entrepreneurship as a lens of solving problems and the market rewarding you for solving problems, right? Uh, I think we now we idolize a lot of entrepreneurs because, uh, you know, they make they make this all the cash, the tech entrepreneurs, we see these titans up there, but but truly is that um they've they've solved problems right they solve the larger the problem they solve the more they get rewarded about so let's talk about the size of the, the problem you're solving um what attracted you to it and can you define it for us
0: of course. So basically what attracted me uh, it to me at first, my uh, co-founder, she has been working in this industry with permits in Brazil for more than 25 years. Right. And what business usually. So when we're talking about permits, just so have, have a broad idea, we're talking about business licenses, all kinds of licenses. So like fire license, you have the licenses for mining or licenses for construction. You have a, a lot of different licenses that you have to take from the government and then you have to control. Um, and she has a consulting business for that. On the other hand, she didn't find the tools that she needed to control those licenses as her consulting business is basically helping clients do that. Uh, so we thought about creating the software. I was like, well, why don't we create a software for that? Mind you, I'm not a uh, computer engineer neither is she. So we get, got a third party. So like, Hey, construct this for us. Like, this is the screens. Like at the time we knew little about tech. I was basically like, okay, th- these are the screens. I need that done. And we kind of went from it and he got a very good adherence, uh, especially with the clients that she already had in her consulting business and therefore it blew up to other countries to other, um, companies and other fields. So it was basically like finding that that there was no solutions for that. And then developing the MVP and then the idea forward. Like if you were to compare the software that we had five years ago to the software that we had now, it's like black and white, but it was the first project was like, Hey, how can we help those people? And how can we use this problem to our advantage and, you know, help the market with that?
1: Hmm. Interesting. So um, going to that, right. So the chief problem was, was it started in Brazil? Like, what did you see around you that like brought you into that? Was it something that you've been thinking about for a while? How was the jump made?
0: So the jump was made basically when we realized that those companies were having a hard time controlling their expiration dates and the tasks that they had. Um especially because it's not it's not like it's no one's core business besides a consulting firm that will help companies with that. So they're not very uh, looked at with like big eyes in the sense of like, okay, I'm gonna help this this part of the company solve this issue. But rather, they are only soft upon when there's a fine from a document that they didn't uh, get compliant because they were busy with other stuff. So, talking to those professionals was what made us make the leap. It was kind of like, okay, would you use a platform like that? And they were like, yeah. So, like, okay, let's try and see. Basically, let's try to create the platform and see if people buy it. And then it ended up going pretty well.
1: Awesome. I mean, the, the, those are come kind of the best um, kind of uh, case scenarios, right? Like we hear these stories of uh, you just kind of build it and people just come and it's it's like a wonderful surprise for everybody and you kind of just build on top of that. Um, so let's talk about next steps. Like what does it look like now? Like um, where is it? Where have you come? Where'd you start? Yeah. How, like, uh,
0: so our next steps uh so basically we start growing uh exponentially in brazil getting into multiple industries and kind of getting our clientele uh growing there and then now in canada our next steps are uh doing our networking and starting to get our first customers we were doing some uh some tweaks on the platform to start some pilot projects with some uh, prospects that we have and then starting from there so we're starting our commercialization right now in canada
1: um any any main changes you see the difference in doing business here versus in Brazil
0: um there is i feel like the net, like when we talk about startups and we would talk about like even spin-offs i think the people here are way more open to hearing your ideas and to help you in the uh-huh. sense of like being um one of the reasons that we did choose Canada to start our globalization is because there's a strong support to female entrepreneurs as well. I'm a female; my co-founder is also female. Um, so, like in the sense that I don't, there's a lot of. I think it's a cultural thing, but in the Brazilian environment, I felt a little bit more restricted by that. First of all, because I'm young, I'm a young entrepreneur. Second of all, because I'm a, a woman in tech, so there was a lot of. Um, glass ceilings that I can't, I don't really see, him. not that they don't exist, but they are, le- they are less apparent here in Canada. And they like the networking and the community helps a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm talking about that, like, you know, um, uh, coming to this environment and, you know, how to, how to deal with changes. What's the support system look like to you, right? LATAM is a great group. I, you know, I've, I've gone to a lot of events and met a great bunch of people there. Um, but you know what is support what is the support structure so
0: i am very happy with the people that i have around me today because uh i think support is very important especially when you're an entrepreneur because you work by yourself a lot and you feel like it's a very lonely journey for most of the time right so i have uh so the accelerator center is a great tool not just with the mentors which are great people in the market but also the other founders that allows like the conversation with other all founders allows us to connect and maybe collaborate with other projects um a is a great one I have a lot of different uh, talks and communications with other female entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs in tech where we can share some. So I'll have another person call me and say like, hey, did you uh, like manage any like board meetings? Like, are are you choosing any people for your board meetings or can you help me choose that or something like that? Right? Um, So there's a lot of support in that sense.
1: You know, but uh, you know, just to keep continuing from what you're talking about, the support structure you're talking about, I think is so, uh, so important uh, for entrepreneurs to feel like there's a, the space around you and there's people you can uh, you can you can work to work through. Uh, I think we misidentify a lot that entrepreneurship is a lonely task, a lonely endeavor. Everyone always talks about these self-made people, but um, when you're doing dealing with hard tasks, it's often it's who you surround yourself with, who you feed energies off of, but also ideas and concepts, who you bounce the ideas off of. Um, that really comes back to uh, uh, to grow us and feed us, right? Um, so, uh, how does the, how does, like are you working with any mentors um, in, in like in this space? Um, have you have you got any investors in yet? You have a board? How does that feel? Yeah, like?
0: so um, so basically, right now we have our um, we have our mentors through the accelerator center. They work very closely with me. I have a couple mentors outside uh like peter l kings and Preven, which are like great mentors and they they're kind of like the people that i bounce back ideas or that i call like hey do you think this is like more like an informal mentorship in that sense um and then in the meanings of investors we don't have right now uh for a strategic uh, position from the company we are choosing the thing is we are um Funding the company in Canada with our uh, with the money that we brought from Brazil, and starting the company like that. I'm in talk, like I'm in conversation with some investors, but there's a very specific kind of investment that I'm looking for. Uh, so we are just waiting and kind of like waiting for the company to get going here before looking effectively for investors.
1: Yeah, um, what um, might be a sensitive topic here, and uh, you know you can let me know. But what does it look like when you transfer business, you start a business in Canada coming from Brazil? Um, Are you allowed to reincorporate? Are you incorporating here? Um, You know, how does that work being like, you know, with uh, coming here with the visa or coming here with the...
0: Yeah, so, like, we are now own what they call the start of visa program, The start of visa program, you apply with accelerator. I, I'm not immigration consultant. So I'll just give a brief yeah. review of what I know. Uh, but you apply with accelerator center. And then there's like this specific accelerator centers that can do that analysis and see if you're prone, like if you're eligible for the start of visa program. And then once you pass, they give you a letter and then you can apply for residency with that right with the uh, for permanent residency. Until you reach that point, uh, there's a couple things. So you can get a work visa through the sort of visa until you get the residency, because the residency takes around two years to like follow through. Uh, Or you you, there's people that are with different kinds of visas here to study or different other kinds of visas that they're using while um, they do that process. Within incorporation, uh, as far as I know, British Columbia is the only province that allows uh companies with non-canadian funding founding members to incorporate you cannot incorporate federally and i i think new brunswick might be one too but I'm, I'm pretty sure about british columbia we're incorporated in british columbia and we want to uh, incorporate federally once we are allowed to
1: yeah um... So uh, I'm glad you broached that because I uh, was under that impression as well. Like, you know, Canada has this weird system where 20%, if you want to incorporate at least 20% of the company must be owned by a resident. Um, so yeah. it's good to know British Columbia is, uh, is, is forward thinking like that, allowing for more uh, entrepreneurs to come settle here and get started. That's that's, yeah. cool. that's really cool. Um, okay. So uh, looking at that, how's Vancouver? All right. Uh, you're in you're, you're Vancouver, BC, All right. Right.
0: Well, I'm in Victoria, actually. So I'm Victoria. in Victoria Island. Uh, okay. Yeah, more specifically down, like, 40 minutes away from Victoria. So I can't complain. Uh, I live on an island, basically in a valley surrounded by mountains. So <laughs> life here is pretty great. Uh, of course, COVID has has its impacts overall on everyone's lives. But it's really not, yeah. it's I'm very lucky to be where I am right now.
1: No, definitely. I think that's a... That's also the closest part of Canada to uh, Brazil, I guess we have. So,
0: yeah.
1: uh, kudos. Not
0: nearly, to... but yeah, closer. Ne- close <laughs> <them.
1: laughs> no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So, okay, cool. So now you're you're, you're establishing BC and you're and moving along. What does what does the future hold for you? Uh, what are, What are some goals?
0: So our next goals uh, would be uh, developing our contacts and networking in Canada and expanding to the U.S. We are in a process to expand to other countries of Latin America as well, and then we want to tackle the EU after. There's there's a couple, so like a five year plan there uh, to enter all those markets.
1: Yeah, um, there's a there's a really interesting um, uh, company that came on uh, again, also from it's a Mexican company um, that uh, transferred to Canada and the entrepreneur, there, uh, entrepreneur on our show really something really, uh, the founder really something really interesting. It's like um, a lot of Latin companies are coming uh, to Canada not just necessarily for the support structures or anything like that, but um, to kind of, uh, to, to like, you know, to feed off the, off the activities happening here. But, um, by building uh, for the uh, standards of uh, Canadian um, like healthcare standards, for instance, or uh, or the regulatory, you're kind of bypass allowing like the best standard of regulation to be, to to be surfacing back uh, back in their home countries. So in Mexico, for instance, uh, they're having a lot of uh, instability when it comes to um, data privacy laws and uh, agreeing on what what that's going to look like. So for companies that establish, uh, you know, to come uh, make uh, uh, to to do things at the uh, North American standard at least guarantees for um, the, the, the users back home that it's following a certain kind of uh, certain legalization. And this idea is kind of coming up that, uh, you know, as, as startups and uh, innovators are becoming more global, thinking about where to go to start uh, start the companies and, and work in that. We're, we're, like countries are in a global marketplace, competitions for people like you, right? You could technically take this idea and concept anywhere and build that's favorable to you, right? There's so, a lot of factors that go into this. Um, was this was this a calculated move on your part with Canada coming to, and bring this company to Canada? Um, do you f- feel like you're following a support structure that exists? Are, are your friends? Uh, do you have anyone you know that has done this the same things? Um, what goes um, beyond? What yeah, I
0: I met people that have done the same thing after I started the process, so that wasn't uh, a part of it. I'm thankful for meeting them now, though. This is a very good support system. Uh, but for us, I think it was mostly focusing on our globalization more like less than wanting to come back to our home country. We are still selling more there, but actually focusing on bringing more business with other countries. So with Canada having access, it makes it easier for me to, sell in the u.s and also makes mm-hmm. me easier for me to sell in mexico and then with other treats treaties that canada has it makes me it makes it easier for me to uh from canada is start negotiations with other countries in other markets uh which also can happen in brazil but it's not as easy so it was a strategic move in the sense of like globalization and where to start with
1: yeah, because stories like yours is so cool because um, we're so used to in Canada hearing about Canada being an exporter of talent, right? Like people come here with their, with ideas, develop it, but then leave. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. you know, they go IPO in the U.S. Um, the, the companies kind of, kind of end up go- going somewhere else to grow. But Canada is a real place to, create, to incubate companies. Right. So it's really cool to see, you know, uh, people like yourself come into Canada to get established and get up and going. Um, so speaking of that, like this global, uh, global marketplace now, um, how is it like, uh, you know, uh, when, it, when, you, when you like talk to other friends, other entrepreneurs, um, I'm sure like, especially working at the AC center, working out of incubators, and accelerators, you know, your, your networks become like very intertwined with others in the innovative community. You talk to others, who starts this thing. What are your thoughts on Canada's innovation community? Is there a difference between Brazil's and Canada's?
0: Um, I would say... I wasn't a very, like the innovation community back in Brazil, to be honest with you, wasn't a very present, didn't have a lot of presence in my life. I wasn't very connected there through that. Um, I think because what happened with us was that we grew fast and then we had a different perspective where like the accelerator centers or the communities that we saw in Brazil, they were very like early stage and not really focusing in B2B sales and stuff like that. So it wasn't really what we were looking for. And so it's a little bit hard for me to compare in terms of community, like community itself. It's very like it is open and I can only talk to me talk about my experience, but in the sense of being able to communicate, to find people, communicate with people, open conversations, uh, start new ventures or be invited for things and stuff like that. It's a very open um, ecosystem. It also helps with uh, what we doing everything online right now because um, since I'm in British Columbia, most of the things happen, like it or not, in Toronto. <laughs> it helps me a little bit in the sense of, like, feel more connected to the ecosystem, which I would probably have to travel a couple times year to Toronto to, in order to experience that in normal times, right?
1: Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, if, 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 if BC is also known to have its own... Uh, uh, like a uh, innovation community. But do you still feel that Toronto has a draw? That's really interesting.
0: I don't... I do feel like Toronto has a draw. It might be because of the connections I made and the accelerator centres that I'm in. Like, so LATAM and the accelerator centre are uh, toronto Bay. Well, one is Waterloo and the other one is Toronto-based. Um, so I feel particularly strong about that. We do have innovation communities here, but between having to do... Um, online calls with Vancouver or Toronto, for me, it's pretty much the same, besides the time zone, but yes.
1: Yeah. Um, One of the topics that that I love talking to people through the podcast is, uh, you know, people who have a global mindset and entrepreneurs generally think are very global thinkers. Um, Over the next 10 years, we're going to see some spectacular changes, right? We're going to see like almost close to a billion people. Oh, I got, I just got like a, a little, Okay, I'm back. Um, we're going to see about a billion people uh, potentially be displaced in the next 10, 20 years due to climate change. Um, you know, um, the effects are becoming more and more pronounced. And in Brazil, which is the uh, world's third largest uh, democracy, uh, a lot of this is taking place uh, in ground zero for this, right? Um, the Amazon, most of the Amazon is uh, you know, located in Brazil, Located through Brazil. Brazil is you know, rapidly changing and industrializing. For people who want to go to Brazil and do business there or get involved... Um, what are your thoughts about what's ha- what, you know, about, about Brazil's an environment for entrepreneurship and, uh, and for growth?
0: Um, so regarding entrepreneurship and for growth, I think Brazil is a good community, and we are seeing a lot of new unicorns coming out of there. And you have a lot of entrepreneurs that I know, for example, that left, spent a couple of years in the Bay Area and then left the Bay Area to come innovate in Brazil. The thing with investments in Brazil, and I think startups in general in Brazil, again, I'm no specialist. But what we hear in the industry is that you have higher risks but also higher returns. So mm. the when you do investments there it's you might get higher returns because it like because of the higher risk, but if things blow, they end up getting higher. So there's a lot of new VCs that are choosing to um, to invest in global companies, in global startups instead of only investing like in Canada or in the US. So I think I see it's a change. I would say that it's a little bit different with canada in the sense that um we have a lot of different communities here and we do have in brazil but speaking portuguese is very important too Mm uh it's just a lot of people do speak english there but speaking the local language like i do the effort to speak the local language here uh, i think that would be very beneficial for someone that wants to expand to brazil or getting a a co-founder or someone in brazil that speaks the local language and know the local costumes right
1: yeah really cool um yeah, so uh, um, I love that. Um, you know, thanks to that debrief d- on um, Brazil. One, one, we had another a company that uh, just uh, went uh, during COVID uh, was flown out to um, uh, to, um, uh, to present their solution to the, the Brazilian government. Um, th- their news hasn't broke, so we, we won't talk about it here, but uh, really exciting. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we're, we're now in a global environment for entrepreneurship, right? Like everything's kind of going digital um, accelerators and support, like, you know, you being part of Accelerator Center, but being out of BC, everything's more digital now, right? What do you, uh, how do you feel about uh, operating in this environment, right? Uh, do you foresee yourself having an office, physical space, do you feel like you're gonna be a distributed team across time zones, um, how you, like how do you plan to operate in, uh, as you grow, as things go on, post-pandemic?
0: So, I think it has been a learning experience for most people. Uh, Thankfully, for me, because I was already working from here and dealing and doing the whole managing of the company in Brazil, I was Mm -hmm. set up for success in that sense because I was already working for like a year and a half uh, from home before everything happened, or two years basically. But I would say that we see, I can see a lot of different, a lot of changes in the market that people would like to work from home and i can see that working in my business because i i don't necessarily believe in the eight hour kind of schedule for working not that i'm going to make anyone work 24 7 because i prioritize life and like actual self-care for my my uh employees but i can see how some people might want to change places or live in other like more affordable cities and stuff like that and as long as we you can see that they are productive And let's not lie to to ourselves, if we have less um, office space, the company also spends less, um, I don't think that is a necessarily negative impact. I think there's a lot of people though that still have to get used with working from home, or not necessarily will like to work from home, and that's what we need to watch for. Because the, I do have employees that ask me to come back to the office because like I can't work from home. Like it doesn't like I don't feel productive at all. So I think it's a little bit of getting is like it's easy to say that you can put everyone working from home when i have a setup i have an office inside my house right for people mm-hmm. that don't have that luxury or that privilege it's way harder they probably say like no i would rather go to the office and actually have a different space
1: gotcha yeah so i mean working in that context right of everything's not global and operating um what is um, you know your, your growth and support level looking like um yeah, do, you, do you plan on going through it to other accelerator programs? I uh, think now things are more digital like you know you can you can participate in things like you know in a global context but also now competing globally right against global ideas. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on you know, on more of a, of a global mindset like especially since you're coming from like almost two different continents and now you've seen like the interactability I feel like more than you know um, entrepreneurs who are more local based because you know when you're in Toronto you're kind of spoiled because everything's kind of around you. You don't you don't get to think that, that globally um, or even like, I mean, cross provincially like, you know, everything's kind of happening in Toronto right now as a fourth largest zone. So I love hearing about people's thoughts about, cool, you know, I can go to uh, if I if I'm going to get like a, a, a really good designer, I'm going to go to Western Europe. Right. That's mm-hmm. where the talent lies. If I want to get a, like a really back end, good back end engineer right, uh, I'll probably find someone in India, but front end should be in Western Europe. You know, people are thinking in this kind of mindset for like skills and pools from a, from a, from a global audience. Yeah. Um, have you, yeah.
0: I think, like I like the idea of it, and I see a lot of different entrepreneurs using that. Uh, in my case, I have some uh, reservations, especially because I don't think the B2B market, and when we work with large companies, they are yeah. uh, adapt to that conversation. Uh, one of the procurement questions usually is if you like, if everyone works from your office or in your country, or if you have outsource, right? And it might not necessarily be outsourced, but that's not uh, seen well in the industry, especially like for when we're dealing with documents, you're dealing with very sensitive information. So uh, we always have the care of taking care of, for example, uh, that in Brazil, I have to have the data centers, even though my software is cloud, I have to have the data, data centers for the banks, that work with me first instance located in brazil because of the law so there's a lot of intrinsicities that i am careful with because we are dealing with legal documents and permits um that i would love like i like the idea of it and i will love to use it for my business but because of the intricacies of it it doesn't really at least like maybe in five years the companies will be more comfortable with it right now it's even hard to And make the companies understand that it's okay for them to use a cloud system that is not inside their own hardware,
1: Mm -hmm. uh, let
0: alone that I have like software engineers everywhere, which I don't most like I have now all my software engineers in Brazil.
1: Yeah, Um, that's a really good point. That's a really good point, right? Um, I mean, going back to this, I think a lot more of our conversations are going back towards data and privacy, data and privacy. Um, What are your thoughts, concerns from your industry point of view on data and privacy? How how, How do we think about it?
0: Um, I think that we, like, if you look at Europe and the, um, I keep forgetting the name of the law that they have there, but for data and privacy, they are very uh, strict about that, right? I'm not saying it's Mm -hmm. good or bad, but it's very strict. And Brazil just actually incorporated a very similar law regarding that, which if I'm not mistaken, it's not the same in Canada and the US. The Canada in the US is a little bit more loose in that sense, but I might be wrong. I haven't uh, researched entirely. Um, With data and privacy, I don't get a concern for my business myself, just because in the sense that I have so many security questions and security requirements that if I were to offer like any kind of data privacy, I wouldn't even pass the procurement process, right? With the companies I work with, like my my security has to be so tied out that it like it doesn't become a question for us because we we're not gonna use any of this data without their yeah their consent.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Or I like to think about this kind of uh, kind of context because this is one of the the mainline things that it's in everyone's head. Where is my data located? How is it being held? and, and, and going forward. Um, you, you mentioned a little bit about Brazil and the conversation there, right? It, it, in Canada, uh, in Canada, like you know, uh, we have this that our, like the younger generation is growing up saying like we, we don't care about our data, we just want to put it up everywhere. It's the older generation, you know, uh, I know that's that's more concerned about okay where things are heading up and, and ending up. In Brazil, what's the cultural atmosphere look like, right? Is people concerned about this? What is like um, what is the atmosphere around data?
0: um it's hard for me to say right now because i haven't lived there in three years uh, okay. even though like i'm part of the ecosystem it's i'm not really uh culturally integrated and that's especially the conversations that are happening right now um i would say since the past the data the new data law uh, lgpd it's called um from like a data protection mm. um, there's a lot of conversation regarding if that's necessary or not How is that going to work? So that's still developing. I would say that I don't remember hearing a lot of data issues regarding in a personal level, but Mm -hmm. but in a company level, yes. Um, Because you have a lot of frauds and a lot of different kinds of uh, things that are exponentially higher in Brazil. uh, Data does become an issue and security of data does become an issue, right?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, um, t- so uh, Eduardo is the uh, CEO of uh, CardioTrack. He's an entrepreneur. Oh, I know him. Yeah, he was the one I was talking about from uh, fr- from uh, from before. He mm-hmm. mentioned this, right? And, like in in Mexico and in a lot of a Latin countries, um, data is not uh, your sovereign right, right? Like it's like mm-hmm. companies, any company can collect it from you. Uh, uh, you know, it's their their data, but you can request them to give it back to you, right? But in Canada, you as a person has to give, uh, has to let other companies, um, um, you know, collect your data. So you have to say yes, it's okay to collect my data, right? Uh, and then you, of course, can always tell them not to. Um, so he, he was, he was like one of the main reasons he came to Canada for CardioTrack to, uh, to launch. Yeah, there's a lot of talent here, but one of the uh, one of the backend things is like if we build under that atmosphere of like, hey, we're gonna respect you as a client. And, and make sure the data uh, is like, we, we tell you what you're collecting and, and how do you click, transfer it with it, people will appreciate it even in the home markets of Mexico. And like, as, yeah. a, as the environment changes, they're already like forward thinking, right? And this idea of like, uh, of like borrowing a country's uh, standards to build a build on top of and exporting mm-hmm. those standards, uh, he, he brought this up. And I thought that was really interesting to think about, right?
0: Yeah, it, I like that idea. I would just like to say that um brazil has very high like the laws for example for data privacy if i'm not mistaken are higher uh standard Mm -hmm. than the ones that we're using in canada now um so we do we are very like if you look at the the different um different statistics we are one of the most bureaucratic countries in the entire world so i'll just be a little bit careful in the sense of like I always compare with like saying Latin America, the same as saying North America, like the markets in Canada and the US are very different. The same with like Brazil is very big and the other countries, like it's very nuanced. Like I see a lot of differences between the market in Brazil and the market in Mexico, for example. So just like I would say that I don't, I don't know the legislation that well in, in, um, in Mexico, but I know that the legislation like procurement process, for example, in Brazil are very intrinsic.
1: Yeah, so in 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 Canada, exactly what you said. Like we we're used to like basically two markets: Canadian markets mm-hmm. and U.S. markets, right? And if you're lucky, maybe Mexican markets. If uh, depending on the company and depending on how you're accessing it. Um, but being uh, you know in Latin America, like especially coming out of Brazil, you have so many different countries around you as part of uh, as part of the, the Latin zone, right? Um, you know, is there intricacies or anything um, that you had to learn to like navigate? to selling or working within multiple countries, or have you worked in uh, multiple countries at the same time? Yeah,
0: um, there's a lot of differences, and I don't think, like, especially talking about Latin America experience, especially, I don't think people will really notice them, uh, but that we are, like, very distinct. It's not like the European Union, that they have, like, a lot of the same laws, and a lot of things that are very similar. Um, Different from Latin America, in Latin America, we have a lot of intricacies from working within cultures to the point where like I speak Spanish and I'm fluent in Spanish but I do change my accent depending who I'm talking to if it's a business meeting because I know if I'm talking from someone from Mexico I know that if I do an accent that is a little bit closer to them that's not going to sound as odd while if I'm talking to someone from Chile or from Argentina I do that those tweaks and just match the person right? So like those cultural aspects, they don't seem relevant, but the way that people do business can change a lot. We're talking Mm -hmm. about B2B and a lot of people say it's a rational decision, but you're still dealing with people, right? So if you give them the time to actually speak their local language and not pretend like like that, just assume that they speak either Portuguese or English, uh, that will open the market. So it's, there's a lot, I would say that a lot of the cultural differences also play a factor in negotiations.
1: Wow. That's really interesting to think about, um, you know, because, like, uh, like uh, it's not something we, we think about much in North America because you're talking one dialect mostly, right? Uh, some of us in Canada can speak two because of French, right? Uh, you know, and God bless them. That's amazing. I, For me, like, you know, even, even me, like, I, I struggle with my <laughs> with English, Literally my mother tongue and then having to deal with other accents and, and things like that. Uh, one of the powers that America has is, like, it's basically like 50 countries, but all under working under one uh, regulatory banner. So it makes it easy to access, right, all these different zones and areas. Um, and the European Union is trying to do the same thing with this union, right? Trying to make a one set of rules so like everyone can transact better, but also outside companies come in and operate under one set of rules to get around this. Do you feel like these intricacies are a, a superpower for you because... It's not something that other people can replicate easily because you had to learn it, learn this and get this. Or is it something that you would like to see more stable, stability, like um, more um, more of like a like a level playing ground? It would be easier for uh, for business to happen. But what are your thoughts about Latin America future?
0: I would say that I would like to see uh, more. I would like to see more like level playing field for for business to be able to um negotiate with latin american companies and latin america startups for that matter as well as for latin american companies to be able to negotiate with other markets right uh so i would like to see that um it's not usually something that people pay attention to culturally like the intricacies of culture uh but it's something that is very important so uh it would be nice if people like i would like to see more people thinking about that when they're choosing to look at other markets in order to make better negotiations for sure
1: yeah super interesting Um, cool Um, all right so just to just to wrap up um, you know we're getting close to the hour here this has been really interesting I, I really love the aspect that uh you know you're like a international entrepreneur and you kind of brought this uh, brought this new kind of uh, mystique to entrepreneurship you know being able to jump around and, and operate in multiple countries that, that's a really cool skill to have and uh, ingrid um you know thank you for your insights and, and thank you for being so uh, open here uh looking forward to seeing more of uh what comes out of uh you know the, the companies you develop and and uh ultra running um, what are you looking forward to? We'll close this. What are you looking forward to in the post-pandemic world? When we're all vaccinated and things are opened up, what are you looking forward to the most?
0: I'm looking forward to doing my business trips again and actually going to see people back in Brazil, to go to Toronto and to go back on my feet in the sense of like, I, I do work from home, but like going, being able to go to markets and do in-person meetings because I think that's an aspect that everyone is missing at this moment.
1: Perfect. Absolutely. I think we're all looking forward to that. So, Ingrid, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, We'll end this here. Um, Stick around for a few minutes. We'll do a quick debrief. And for everyone who who came uh, came and listened in, thank you so much.